Good morning. Happy Sunday to you all. I'm going to start in the fashion that I kind of started off with when I first started teaching this, and that's starting with a um, Puritan prayer to get us started, and then we'll jump right in. So uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, save me entirely from sin. I know I am righteous through the righteousness of another, but I pant and pine for likeness to yourself. I am your child and should bear your image. Enable me to recognize my death unto sin when it tempts me. May I be deaf unto its voice. Deliver me from the invasion as well as the dominion of sin. Grant me to walk as Christ walked, to live in the newness of his life, the life of love, the life of faith, the life of holiness. I abhor my body of death, its indolence, envy, meanness, pride. Forgive and kill these vices. Have mercy on my unbelief, on my corrupt and wandering heart. When your blessings come, I begin to idolize them and set my affection on some beloved object, children, friends, wealth, honor. Cleanse this spiritual adultery and give me chastity. Close my heart to all but you. Sin is my greatest curse. Let thy victory be apparent to my consciousness and displayed in my life. Help me to be always devoted, confident, obedient, resigned, childlike in my trust of you. To love you with soul, body, mind, strength. To love my fellow man as I love myself. To be saved from unregenerate tempers, hard thoughts, slanderous words, meanness, unkind manners to master my tongue and keep the door of my lips. Fill me with grace daily, that my life be a fountain of sweet water. Father, we pray that these things can be made true in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, and, and the interesting thing is this prayer is the springboard to where we're going today. Last week, Gil led us through Christ as intercessor. Uh, the verse that the author used was Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And the big points from that chapter, I kind of went back and I, and I looked at the chapter again this week and I said, okay, what, can I do this in one sentence? What's he talking about? Atonement is in the past. Intercession is in the present. So his work of atonement is finished. His work of intercession never ends. He is always, he always lives to make intercession for us. So, this next question is kind of springboard us into his advocacy. Okay, so who is our sin against? God. Okay, um, and John and I talked a little bit through this yesterday. Um, is God vested in time? The Almighty God, the Father, is He in time? 
You're like, hmm, how do I answer that, right? The eternal God, he's an eternal God, therefore he is beyond time, right? So if our sins are against God, that means our sins are eternal as well because they're against him. Because of that, there had to be somebody eternal to pay those sins. Otherwise, the sacrifices that we make would not extend beyond time. That's important because Christ as advocate is going to be that extension beyond time to cover our sins. I think of that from Hebrews, he passed through the heavens. Yes. That's exactly right. So here's the first question. I, don't, I haven't been sticking closely to the questions, but I love the questions as a springboard for this week. So question six. Um, what's the difference between an intercessor and an advocate? And how does the notion of advocacy develop that of intercession? So he points to page 87 in the book. And he says, what's the difference between intercessor and advocate? So what's the difference between intercessor and advocate? That would be great, Pam. Thank you. An intercessor stands between two parties. An advocate doesn't simply stand in between the two parties, but steps over and joins the one party as he approaches the other. Okay. Sean and I had an opportunity to talk about this a little bit yesterday afternoon. And the question was, okay, it sounds like they're the same thing. Think of it from this perspective. The intercessor doesn't necessarily have a dog in the fight. Okay, The intercessor's job is solely to take this party and this party who are warring and try to bring them together. That's it. They may have a, have a dog in the fight, but it, they might not. So they just may be assigned. To, if you go to our um, local courts and, and they ask for somebody to come in and, and to intercede to the ar- uh, uh, arbitration, somebody to come in between and try to bring them together. Okay? They may not have anything in this other than the fact that they're getting paid and that's their piece, that's their dog in the fight. The advocate, however, is the person who, you got the person here that the, this person has offended. And, and the example I gave to Sean was this. Um, Sean and I are at odds. Okay? And John could come in as intercessor, Right? And intercede on Sean's behalf to try to bring us together because Sean has done something to tick me off, right? And, and John, as a friend, he has a role there. But however, if Pam comes alongside Sean and puts her arm on Sean and says, I know he's ticked you off, but he's my son. Will you please love him anyway? That's the advocate. You see the difference? We're going to actually play on that a little bit more. So verse, uh, not question seven uh, says, what are some truths about Jesus the advocate as taught in 1 John 2.1? Well, 1 John 2.1 says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate from the, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So there are three truths that he gives on page 89. There's a who, a when, and a why. What's the who? Not who's on first. <laughs> John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone 
sins, we have an advocate from the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Anyone who desires it. Anyone who desires it. That's the the phrase that he put in the book, right? And his book is no different than this book from the perspective that you have to read the whole verse, the whole chapter, the whole paragraph to truly understand what's being said. Because if you take just that sentence out of the book, anyone who desires can, can have the advocate. We can make that mean anything we want, can't we? It says, there's no qualifications to, this is what he says in the book, there's no qualifications to the anyone. I disagree with him on this. There is a qualification. It's the beginning of verse 1. My little children. So the qualification is you have to be one of the little children. You have to be one of the believers. Then anyone who needs the advocate can have the advocate. You see the, 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 se- the separation there? Okay, the when. When, can, um, when do we need the advocate? Right now. Right now. When we have sinned. Okay, so... Anyone that, that is a believer can have the advocate. They can have the advocate when they sin. Why? Why do you need the advocate? Forgiveness. Forgiveness? Because he alone is righteous. He alone is righteous. Now, you know what? We're going to flesh this out a little more. I want to make this, I want to paint a picture for you over the next 30 minutes. I want to paint a picture for you that will absolutely glorify who Christ is in this advocacy. Okay? So question eight says, what's the slight difference between what we are told in Hebrews 7 and in 1 John 2? So Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. 1 John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What's this slight difference that he gives in the book, page 90? It seems like intercession is just going back to his right, everything that he accomplished. It's always there. But it's just a, it's general in some sense that we are sinners, but we're saved. And so all our sins are paid for. But then when we sin, it's like his Christ coming to us, even when we know we have sinned in some willful sin or some, you know, something we realize we shouldn't. I don't know that then now we have an advocate that comes along, even though our sins are covered as it's always interceding for us. I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to flesh this out. Too. Okay. And, and, and I love, because this is difficult, folks. These, these two words are difficult. Because he, he uses the, the comment in the book that intercession is always, advocacy is occasional. Okay? Intercession is something we all need all the time. Advocacy is what we need when we sin. After we've been saved. Okay? So let, but I want to bring this to you from a, from a text perspective. Because the word advocate, I think, is important. Okay? He mentions on page 88 that the Greek word used for advocate in 1 John 2 is parakletos. Okay? Where we get the word paraclete. Okay? One who stands beside 
is what it, the literal meaning of that word, one who stands beside. And he points to John chapters 14 through 16, which is the, the Christ's high priestly prayer. Um, and this word is used, parakletos is used four different times. And if you look at six different versions or seven different versions of the Bible, you get four different interpretations of that word. Um, a couple versions use the word helper there. Um, a couple versions use um, comforter. Um, and a couple of versions use the word advocate there. What's interesting, if you jump to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, every single version, bar none, uses the word advocate. And, and the idea is some of the translators are trying to provide an understanding of, of a bigger a bigger role that this person plays, the comforter, the helper, the advocate. But when we say advocate, when we say advocate, in our modern parlance, in our modern words, in our modern society, who is an advocate? Who, who is the obvious advocate in our modern society? A lawyer. A lawyer. A lawyer. Okay? So let's look at this from a law perspective. Okay? So let's take this and let's build from this. So the question is, uh, the first question I have for you is, who is God? Okay, now I'm going to walk you through these verses because I'm going to move through these fairly quickly. So we can say a lot of things about who God is, right? God is love, God is just, God is patient, God is kind, right? So I'm looking for one specific thing. So follow me on this. Psalm 711, God is a righteous judge. And a God who, and he's a God who has indignation every day. Psalm 50, verse 6. And the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is a judge. Psalm 75, 7. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Ecclesiastes 7, 3, 17. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous man and the wicked man for a time for every matter and every deed is there. Uh, let's jump to the New Testament because some people are like, that's the Old Testament. So let's jump to the New Testament. <coughs> Acts 10.42, he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Romans 2.16, on that day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.23 and 24. 22 to 24, that you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to a myriad of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all. So who is God? He's the judge. So that leads us to the next question. Who else is in the courtroom? You are. Yeah, you are. And this leads us to questions 9 and 10 in the book, right? And I love this. And he spends the last page and a half, page and three quarters talking about our self-advocacy. But I'm going to sim simplify this down to a very simple statement. Okay, so question, do you see yourself in the deep-seated impulse to self-advocate? I, I know I did that, but I, I did this. And I gave this much money. And I did went to Africa. And I went to Turkey. And I went to New York. And we, we helped Muslims. And... We're self-advocates, right? That's what we do. It's our, it's our nature. We self-advocate because our sin doesn't ever want to bring itself to light. Uh, number question 10, is there some way in your heart right now that you are defending yourself? 
And all of us can think of something where we we self-advocate for ourselves about. All of us can. And if you can't find one, you need to look harder. Because this is why. Ecclesiastes 7.20. Because um, one of my favorite podcasts, they said, they said one of the things they're accused of is they turn pages. They're constantly going back and forth in the Bible. Guess what? We're turning pages. Right? Ecclesiastes 7.20. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on the earth who continually does good and who never sins. But, but, well, let's uh, take it to the next but. First Kings uh, 8.46, when they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, but no, not one. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And we say, but, 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 right? But who else is in the courtroom? With us? Mm -hmm. Jesus. Okay, we're going to get to that. Who else is in the courtroom? Satan. Satan. Revelation 12, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down. The accuser of the brethren. So the accuser is there. And it doesn't matter how many excuses you come up with. He can go, yep, I was there. I saw that. He, he is the prosecuting attorney. And guess what? You don't have a leg to stand on. So God is judge. You are there. The prosecuting attorney is there and you are condemned and there's nothing you can do about it. Try to self-advocate yourself out of that. But Job 16.21 says that a man might argue with God. Psalm 143.2 And do not enter into judgment with your slave for no one living is righteous in your sight. Hebrews 12.29 For our God is a consuming fire. But before we get to Christ, let me ask the question, who is this God who is judge? Because if you grew up in the same type of churches that I grew up in, God is judge, right? But who is this God who is judge? Exodus 34, 7. He who keeps loving kindness for thousands who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin, yet will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. His justice, his justness, his holiness has to be satisfied. But there is compassion. There is loving kindness. I love Nehemiah 9.17. They refused to listen. They did not remember your wondrous deeds which you did among them, so they became stiff-necked and wanted to return to Egypt. But you are a God of lavish forgiveness. Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. The judge is somebody who has compassion and love, and he wants you to be saved, and he knows that because of your sin, you have to be judged. So, where do we go from here? I want you to turn to John chapter 1.
So we've asked the question, who is, who is in the courtroom? The judge, God, you, the accused, Satan, the accuser, and as Mary said, there's one more who's in there. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse 11. And he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So who's the Son? Who's the Son? Jesus Christ is the Son of the Father. Who sits on the throne? The Father sits on the throne. Who's the advocate? The Son is the advocate. This isn't Justin sitting on the throne and Greg walks in as the advocate. This is Caleb sitting on the throne and Josiah walks in as the advocate. Who do you think is going to have more pull with the judge? The Son is going to have more pull with the judge. You know what's even more amazing about this? Who is the Son? Verse 1 of John chapter 1. The Word who is God. So God knows the only person that can be advocate for you is Himself. So how does He solve the problem? He sends the Son to be your advocate. So now it's not just some stranger coming in off the road who doesn't really know you, but they're going to try to advocate for you. This is the man who has just died on the cross because he knows you inside and out and every dark thing you've ever done and he still is going to advocate for you. So it's not just, it's not just God who is on the throne. It's not just God who is advocate. It's the God-man. It's as Job said, in Job 16, oh, that a man might argue with God. Well, guess what? The God-man can argue with God. And when he uses the word argue, we're not talking about an argument. We're talking about being able to provide a defense. So there is a man who can defend us before God. And he's not defending us because of what we have done. Because when we walk in there and the accuser starts to throw out everything that we have ever done, all we can do is stand there with our heads hung. Because we know they're true. We know we're guilty. And you know what? The advocate knows we're guilty too. And he goes to the father and says, Father, you sent me just for this purpose. Yes, he's guilty. Yes, he deserves death because the wages of sin is death. But my gift gives him eternal life. He can go free. Not because of what we have done, but because he has done. And because he is the son, he is God. Remember when we started, we talked about our sin being eternal and we needed an eternal sacrifice that would cover that sin. The advocate is that eternal sacrifice. So let's, let's pull this all together. 
And I've got, I've got two verses to finish with. Okay, look at the advocate from this lens. God, the compassionate, loving God, is judge. You, the accused, stand guilty in the courtroom. The accuser is throwing everything that you've ever done up in your face in front of God. And you know there's nothing you can do to advocate for yourself. And Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he who comes to me takes my yoke upon them will find comfort for their hearts. Yoke together. What do you have to do to, to be yoked? You pull two different things together so they're close by. The advocate comes alongside, just like that yoke. You're yoked to him. He's already there. And when you step in front of the judge, he's there with you. He is the son of the father. He is the son of the judge. And he can say to the judge, look what I've already done to cover what he has done. And guess what? God's justice is satisfied. Jesus is glorified because there's nothing that we can do to advocate for ourselves. He is the advocate. We are then accepted. And standing in front of that throne room, Satan is defeated. We can indeed. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Not confidence in yourself. Confidence in the advocate who stands there always for you. Isaiah. John just... John went through the book of Isaiah, and I'm, I'm going to bring us back here. Isaiah 51, 22. Thus says your Lord, the Lord, even your God, who contends for his people. Behold, I have taken out of your hand the cup of reeling, the chalice of my anger. You will drink it no more. Lamentations three fifty eight. O Lord, you did plead my soul's cause, and you have redeemed my life. Do you see the advocate in a new light? Do you understand the role of the advocate in your salvation? Your atonement was completed. The intercessor is constantly standing before the Father and when you really screw up as a believer, you come to the throne, the advocate is there. And he's ready to stand beside you. He is yoked to you. And he is ready to say to the Father, I've already paid for it. I've already paid for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your advocacy. Thank you for helping us to understand your role standing at the side of the Father that we can with confidence come to you even when we mess up in the worst ways or in the, the, the easiest, the simplest ways that we mess up, but we do it day after day after day after day because you are there, always standing to be our advocate. Thank you for your continued work at the throne of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's good. mystery of that. You have to love the mystery of that. 